0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
2: Contact Cordell,
0: Cordell Cordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls. For more breakdowns on the Pelicans, including interviews with coaches, journalists, and opposing experts, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. What's up, Pels fans? Today we've got two excerpts from my appearances on NBA Outlet and Howl Radio addressing Boogie and where the Pels go from here. Check back tomorrow for our usual episode with Ollie and Kevin breaking down the Clippers and more. We should have that up for you by about 6 p.m. Enjoy.
3: Moving on to the DeMarcus Cousins injury, we're going to bring on special guest Preston Ellis. He's the host of uh, the Bird Calls podcast, part of the OTG Podcast Network. He does a great job over there, so check that out. But sadly, we're going to bring him on to talk about the DeMarcus Cousins injury who went down on a Friday night
1: with a ruptured Achilles tendon. Terrible news around the league. Uh, Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
3: We wanted to bring Preston on to give us some coverage from New Orleans and, you know, the feel of that whole fan base and everything over there. So, Preston, what was your reaction when DeMarcus Cousins went down?
0: Man, it's it's difficult to describe because obviously this is this is difficult for everybody in the national basketball association like we we saw the outpouring of love with the injuries to Paul George, Gor- Gordon Hayward and and we saw very similar outpouring for DeMarcus Cousins for something as simple as an Achilles tear which is it's it's not simple it's obviously serious and it's career altering we've seen it happen to Wesley Matthews and Rudy Gay and those guys are playing well but you could argue that they're you know they're not their, their former selves, Wesley Matthews, was on the verge of getting a max-level contract. Rudy Gay, uh, obviously a bit past his prime and got back a lot quicker, and that's the upside for DeMarcus Cousins. But I was just talking to you guys off the air that the thing that is so crippling about DeMarcus is not the injury in itself. That's that's just the tip of the iceberg. What it really boils down to is, is DeMarcus as a person, the attacks on his character that have been levied over over the, over the life of his career. He's been called a cancer, a coach killer, This year, just two weeks ago, Justin Verrier of the Ringer not only questioned him starting in the All-Star Game, questioned whether or not he had the validity to even be in it. And Pelicans fans nodded in agreement because he is just a head-scratching player, a guy who, you know, complains with calls. He gets the technical fouls. He doesn't run back on defense. Well, the last three weeks, guys, he was doing all of it. He was putting up 25, 13, and 5. Any guy who's ever averaged that over a season, over the course of a season, it's happened four times. Every single one of them took home a most valuable player award. The team was winning eight out of nine games. But but more than that, you 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 hurt for this guy and you hurt for the franchise because he just lost out on the designated player extension last year when Sacramento traded. And that would have made him eligible for the Russell Westbrook deal, the five years, $207 million deal, which uh, Steph Curry got as well, but he was still eligible this summer with the new Orleans Pelicans for the five year, $176 million deal that Blake Griffin just signed. And, Every prognosticator, I, I don't care if the, the, the guys with the Celtics and the guys, the Cavaliers, who are always rumoring trades, this guy's interested. It's, it's all BS. The fact is, DeMarcus Cousins was coming back, and if he wasn't coming back for that five years, he was coming back for a two plus one just so that he could get back on the market for the Supermax, which is that $207 million deal at your at your 10-year uh, veteran, uh, I don't know, standing. Once you get to the 10-year threshold, yep. you guys know what I'm saying. Yep. But to see that happen, now you send the franchise into a tailspin. Now, Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry, if their leash wasn't short, boy, they're not going to make it through this offseason, barring a miracle, barring the the, the Pelicans have no depth. Drew Holiday, DeMarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis are top 10 in minutes played. And people are going to say to you, you're going to see this on Twitter, that Anthony Davis plays better with with DeMarcus Cousins off the floor. That may be true, but guess who's behind Anthony Davis now? Omar Ashik. And some combination of Dante Cunningham, uh, hopefully Solomon Hill can be back in a month, but he has never played any minutes consistently at the four position. He's going to be forced to coming back from that torn hamstring. And, and more so than that, you just have to think about DeMarcus and his family. He went from five years, $176 million deal rumors of LeBron being interested in the new Orleans Pelicans rumors of him picking DeMarcus first, because he wanted the opportunity to experiment playing with he and Anthony Davis. And now Who's to say what this guy's going to get offered? You, you have to think that the Pelicans have no other choice to bring him back. But what is he going to get? A one-year experimental uh, max offer, maybe a one-plus-one with the second being a team option. Like he just went from being an MVP-level candidate to possibly not getting a payday at all. And people, some people, and they've been thrown off of Twitter at this point, are are saying our own uh, Fletcher Mackel of WDSU said, "You know what, guys, you're going to hate me, but it's time." to ask the question, should we trade DeMarcus Cousins before the deadline? And obviously all you would get in exchange is cap relief. And that's what people are talking about now. One of the best five players in the NBA this season, getting rid of for cap relief, but, but more so than that, and I'm I'm monologuing, so I'll wrap this up just for the city. It's really tough for the city. We almost lost the Hornets uh, to Oklahoma city following Katrina and Chris Paul and David Stern fought hard to bring them back. But We've got a 92-year-old owner who's in a custody battle over the, the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints with his grandchildren who are fighting tooth and nail to get it from him. They want to move the team. Uh, Rita, his his third wife, you know, she's a very sweet woman, but but she has no interest in New Orleans. She's she's lived here for the better part of 30 years. But, you know, somebody from Seattle says they want to give her $3 billion to, to take the – I mean, who's, who's to say what could happen? And the city was just on the cusp. Like, this couldn't have been a bigger stage, you guys on ESPN, the second best team in the NBA. You've got Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, all these former Hornets coming back to town. That in itself draws attention. And you see DeMarcus Cousins tear his Achilles, not on any run of mill mill play, the last possession of the game, fighting off his missed free throw. What if he makes that free throw? What happens differently in that four second window if he just manages to hit that second free throw the game is essentially over it's just fouls at that point but instead he gives full effort fights for the ball and and that's how it happens and it's 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 hard to express how devastating it is I'm, I'm not smart enough to be able to, to do it justice Kevin Pelton has a great article a lot of guys in New Orleans Kevin O'Connor has a great stuff I encourage everybody to check that out but I'll, I'll wrap this up guys it's just it's just in a in a word devastating top five worst moments in New Orleans sports uh, history.
4: Yeah, I said, President, before you got in here, you know, for the injury to happen, it was on a hustle play. You know, the thing that people say because it doesn't do at times or whatnot, you know, like you said, he was chasing down a missed free throw. You know, he was giving 110%. And, um, you know, I know it was, I read a tweet about this too that, you know, this past month he's logged more minutes than he ever has his entire career. You know, who knows if that played a part into it? I mean, it probably plays some kind of part into it. And like you said, the now there's all this uncertainty. You know, does do they want to resign him for the max? Do they do they still take a chance to resign him? Does he come back like he was from this injury to be the same player that he was this year? You know, do free agents want to come down and play with the Marcus Cousins, Anthony Davis now, not knowing what to expect? Like you said, it, it brings the entire city into a certain state of uncertainty and what will be or what could have been.
3: Yeah, Preston did a great job and the impact this injury not only had on the Pelicans, their future, but overall New Orleans and their location is, you know, very important to what's going to happen. I think uh, the Cousins injury too, you made a great point. Preston is how is he going to come back from the Achilles injury? We've seen guys come back healthy and luckily, you know, Cousins isn't that super athlete. He's not a guy who's getting over the rim, throwing down crazy dunks. He's doing a lot of stuff underneath with his size. What do you think is what's going to happen when he comes back? How long is it going to take Cousins to get to an All Star type level when he returns from this injury?
0: Well, this is the difficult part. Is we we've seen firsthand that Wesley Matthews and and Rudy Gay being a freak of nature. He's a he's been an efficient player this year, but. We've seen Kobe Bryant, all three of these guys, and and any guy of his size who suffers this injury, they don't come back. And if they do come back, it's a year and a half to two years minimum before they're close to a hundred percent. You know, guys don't get injured like this and come back bigger and better and stronger and faster. The good news is, like you guys said, Demarcus Cousins can't jump over a phone book, but he <laughs> does he does use his agility. To to drive uh, at the top of the key, he likes to take those big men off the dribble. He's got that spin move that he utilizes, and it, it helps get uh you know shooters open on the wing, and it helps him get to the cup. And it it is something that he utilizes, and he's definitely going to lose that aspect of his game. But other than that, you know, he's not an incredibly athletic guy. He doesn't really run the floor at a, at an aggressive pace. You know, he kind of slowly trots up, but you know, it, it does it does diminish from from what he has. And and what's even a bigger point of it is the timing. At the trade deadline, it's it's too late for the Pelicans to qualify for the disabled player exception, which would have given us $18 million to, to offer to a buyout player like Greg Monroe or to Andrew Bogut. We could have offered these guys more than anybody else across the association, but we're just two weeks late. Not only that, the rehab at, at best is going to bring him back to the practice for, uh, I want to say November, December. And at that point, free agency is done. It's too late. It's too late to bring in any of these guys, like you mentioned, guys that might potentially want to want to play with New Orleans for a discount once they see how well the team has done. That option is now off the table. So that removes Del, Del Dempsey and Alvin Gentry, who at this point, everybody's throwing around all these trade ideas. We're doing it in New Orleans. How are we going to get them help? They can't, that's, that's hilarious. That sounds like a little guy. I have an American Eskimo behind me myself. Um,
1: yeah, but,
0: sorry about uh, that. No, no worries. The, the troubling thing is, at this point, The Pelicans need help. They need depth, but you can't let Dell Demps go and get it for them. You can't let him offload salary because by offloading bad salary like Alexis Ajins and Omar Ashik, you're going to have to sacrifice first round picks. And we don't have a first round pick dating back to 2012, that just being Anthony Davis. Other than him, we don't have a first round pick on the roster. We've got two second round picks who we're hoping become NBA players. Um, Frank Jackson just uh re-aggravated his broken foot. It was a stress fracture and he rebroke it. And Sheikh Diallo's been a disaster defensively. He has a lot of upside and potential. He's only been playing uh basketball for about five years. Uh so you know, you hope those guys can be rotation level players, but New Orleans is is screwed. They 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 can't they can't offload these guys, they can't send out picks. They are who they are right now, and everybody's saying that they could still manage to get to the eighth seed because they are about four games up on the Clippers, something around there. And, and you know, there is the likelihood with Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis playing well that maybe they get enough wins. They need to finish somewhere around like 14 and 20 to finish with a 500 record. But what does that get you? That gets you an eighth seeded finish, and that gets you a 4-0 sweep against the Golden State Warriors, which we've already experienced in 2014 and 15, and that's not enough to pique interest in New Orleans at this point. We're tired of that. We want to get to the second round. We want to win a couple of first rounds. Round games we want to we want to stir some momentum going into the next season, especially with only two years remaining on Anthony Davis's contract. It's it's time to make a push, and it just couldn't come at at, at, a, at a worse time. And should Dell Dems be able to bring in talent like a, a Jonathan Simmons or something with a first round pick or Damari Carroll or something? A lot of people are going to be really upset because he doesn't deserve that benefit of the doubt at this point. You can you can blame the injuries uh, three years ago. We had three hundred and fifty-two games missed to to injury. That's an all-time NBA record. This year, of course, you're losing Boogie Cousin. Last year, we lost Drew Holiday for the first 12 games of the season. We started out 0-8. So you can you can make a lot of excuses, but after eight years, it doesn't matter what the problem is. It's it's time to to change things up. And man. The positive thing is the positive thing is DeMarcus Cousins is probably going to be a Pelican going back. This this further solidifies this. It's very unlikely that, you know, the Phoenix Suns or the Dallas Mavericks come in with a 3-year 90 million dollar contract. So that that is the silver lining to this. Even if he's not the player that he was, you have to believe that he's still a top 10 level center. And somebody who has great chemistry with Anthony Davis, if you guys got a chance to watch the Houston Rockets game, it was beautiful. Their chemistry, their pick and pop, their pick and roll. Uh, I think Anthony Davis had like five alley-oops in the first quarter, and the majority of them were thrown from the Marcus Cousins. So it was beautiful to watch. And and like I said, hopefully he can bring some of that back next year.
3: Yeah, I mean I – mean, go ahead, Corey.
4: I was going to say, you know, I watched that Chicago Bulls game a few nights ago when they came back and they won a double OT. You know – there, you can you can make an argument that if they have the right pieces around them, that Anthony Davis and Marcus Cousins and the Pelicans, you know, they could be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, because there is just no way to guard Cousins and Davis when they are both healthy and on the floor. And like you said, you know, they're the, ish, the injuries in the past and you haven't been able to bring in a lot of guys in the past that kind of like build around Davis and now, you know, cousins and all that. But the team has always been, you know, just right there. And now it's not a stage now you're at a point where, you know, it's what could have been. Yeah, I know you think, you know, Gentry will be fired and um, the GM will probably be fired, too. But, you know, the Pelicans issue is constantly it's a what could have been scenario. It's not like, you know, this is where we are. You know, we just we came up short. It's always been like a what could have been.
0: Yeah, definitely. And just just to put a lighter spin on things um, now, now teams around the NBA are on watch Uh, players around the NBA are on watch. The The Pelicans won 8 of 9, and like you said, they're unguardable. Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, especially with the way of the Drew holiday, he's having the best year of his career, both defensively and offensively. But what really makes these guys special is the way that they were playing defense the past 3 weeks. They were shutting teams down. You mentioned the Chicago Bulls, we spotted them an 18 minute or uh, 18 point lead, excuse me, with 7:30 left in the game, 7:33 specifically. And Anthony Davis was quoted after the game and he said, "We just decided to play defense. We just talked in the huddle and we said we're going to play defense from this point out." Think about that. They were not playing hard up until that point. Now that in itself is very frustrating. You're like, these guys should be playing hard 48 minutes. And then you just take into account that they're all averaging close to 40 minutes a game. They're probably pretty tired. They're probably trying to save themselves for, for a fourth quarter push, but 18 down, they shut the bulls down. I can't remember exactly what the, what the run was. They finished on something like a 21 to three run, just obliterated the Chicago bulls. Obviously you're like, they're the bulls. They're not even in the playoff picture right now. The bulls at this point, had been on like a 17-8 and eight run, I want to say, with Nikola Mirotic back in the lineup. They were playing beautiful basketball. They were shooting well. They were great defensively. And the Pelicans just shut them down. They just said, you're not scoring again for the final seven and a half minutes. And it all started with Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus, for all the grief we've given him, like I said, the past three weeks, he's been an all-NBA uh, defensive type player. It, it's And players know that now, and coaches know that now. There's a lot of respect for him around the league. And though he won't come back at 100%, they know how good he is when he is healthy. And maybe just the promise of that possibility could be enough to to stir up some interest in New Orleans this offseason.
3: Yeah, and I think you hit a great point as well. The fact that the Pelicans were doing so well, and they had just beaten a Boston Celtics team not that long ago, and the Houston Rockets team right there, you know, getting wins over two of the top five teams in the league, and then picking up the defense, seeing the effort paying off, I think the Pelicans were really set on a nice stretch moving forward but obviously the injury really hurts that. What do you think? We talked about this actually on one of our previous pods. What do you think about a trade for the Pelicans where they pick up Dwayne Dedman from Atlanta for Alexis Ajinka, uh, Cech Diallo in a second round pick?
0: I just don't think the Hawks do it. Um, obviously, Dwayne Dedman is a player that the Pelicans desperately need, um, and he's a perfect fit. He's not being utilized there. Nerland's Noel is another possibility. Jonathan Simmons is somebody that that rings some ears in Orlando if you have some combination of, like, Alfred uh, Payton and Jonathan Simmons for Omar Ashik and a first-round pick. But that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a first-round pick. Nobody wants another year of Alexis Ajins at $5 million. He's dead salary. It's going to take more than a second. We've seen how how close to the vest uh NBA general managers are keeping uh their their salary going forward at this point in time and even somebody at 5.3 million which is what Alexis Ajensa has promised in 2018-19 season it's it's just too much it's too much and the Pelicans don't have the asset like a Chek Diallo you mentioned but he's been unplayable defensively he's a guy who picked up 3 fouls and a 3 second violation in his first minute on the nba court this year he's beautiful offensively he dominates summer league but but you put him against the big boys and he just can't stay on the floor but he does have a beautiful jumper a great inside game offensively he's he's definitely going to be a contributor in this league if he can figure out his defensive awareness but he just hasn't yet and so you have to think that he's a minus at this point or at least even frank jackson same thing but the only player who's movable at this point in time is really Etwan Moore, but the Pelicans need him. He's he's part of their crunch time uh, lineup. He's the best shooter in the NBA. If he's not right now, he was three weeks ago. He's somewhat he's around forty five percent from three point range and has been all season long. He was fifty seven percent in December. He was unconscious. He's been a little bit slower this month, so his numbers have dipped. But he's great defensively. They've been asking him to play the three. He's the only contract they can move and actually get something in return from. Like they could do a Jonathan Simmons Etwan Moore swap you'd have to believe because he's such a valuable defender and shooter. Um, but, yeah, in in order to move Agensa, it's going to take a first-round pick, and there's a lot of guys pulling right now for some combination of Marco Bellinelli and Dwayne Dedman for – I don't know, probably Ashik and a, a-, a first-round pick. If we do send a first-round pick, it's got to be for Ashik. Agensa, his contract is too small. It's not worth it. We can just stretch him in the offseason or wait until the trade deadline next year when that $5 million expiring might be a bit more valuable. It's it's just the price is a bit too high, especially with Boogie out. If the Pelicans do manage to fall out of the playoffs, that could potentially be a, a 14th overall pick, 15th overall pick somewhere in that area. So it's it's just too valuable to to try to what I don't know win two games in the first round, maybe get an eighth seeded finish. It's it's just you got to hang on to that pick. If nothing else, you you wait until the summer and maybe you can get something a bit more valuable. Then when teams are ready to offload uh, some some better contributors or somebody on a longer term deal.
3: I have to ask you this: What are your uh, obviously everybody in the NBA world wants to know? I have my thoughts, and Corey has his. Uh, is the probability change that you know the Pelicans trade Anthony Davis, or does this you know confirm that they're going to keep him now for sure? The or, Pelicans. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I want to hear Pel- your thoughts on this.
0: The Pelicans will never trade Anthony Davis unless he requests to be traded. That percent agree. Hundred percent. Uh that it's not going to happen he is the franchise that it would be crippling uh that this this city can't go through another rebuild we're seeing it in Orlando right now they've been five years out of the playoffs and they're starting over again and you can just hear it in the voices of the media guys of John Hammond of Jeff Weltman of Frank Vogel everybody involved with that franchise it's it's just too much for a city that doesn't really care about basketball and Orlando does because they've got the You know, Orlando soccer team. Other than that, the city is is about the Orlando magic. And New Orleans, they don't have that advantage. People love the LSU Tigers. They love the New Orleans Saints. Everybody has a New Orleans Saint flag out front. So the Pelicans cannot afford that. And there's not a big enough return in the NBA to keep the Pelicans as a contender at one at this point, everybody's going to say, you know, some version of Jason Tatum and, and we're all sick and tired of hearing the Jason Tatum (laughs) for Anthony Davis comparisons. Um, And I'm not going to go into it because I doesn't, I don't think it it deserves a minute of our time, but there's, there's just not, there's, there's not the trade partner out there. If, if anything, it would, it would have to be two like all-star level players because that's how well the Pelicans revere Anthony Davis, CJ McCollum in a first round picks, not going to be enough. CJ McCollum in a top five pick would not be enough. The Pelicans think Anthony Davis is the best player in the association, given the right circumstance, given hundred percent locked in. Um, obviously you've got Kevin Durant, LeBron James, but with, with those guys out of the picture, there is not a single player in the NBA that the Pelicans would trade Anthony Davis for, unless, like I said, he has to be traded. So he's, he's going to finish out his contract here and things could change this off when they bring in a new general manager, maybe, Maybe a, a, a Sam Hinky has a has a different direction in mind. Uh, but right now, the rumored people are uh, Danny Ferry, of course, the former general manager of the Atlanta Hawks, has been a close advisor to Del Dems, and uh, Joe Dumars, which I think would be a disaster. But but those are the names right now. Um, and obviously, Dell Dems has until the off season to to try to keep these guys going, try to keep them afloat. And right now their best possible hope is buyout candidates. And those have to be some version of Andrew Bogut, maybe Greg Monroe, maybe Vince Carter. They're going to have to hope that somebody asks to come to New Orleans, that somebody sees Anthony Davis, sees that open center position and says, I want to play with that guy. And right now it's, it's Andrew Bogut's our best bet. If we could get Greg Monroe, that would be that, that could potentially be a, be a season changer. And by season changer, I don't mean we're going all the way. I mean, you know, possibly stay around the fifth seed and or the sixth seed and get a chance at San Antonio and Minnesota. And that is that, that would just change everything going forward. That would be a scenario where maybe Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry buy another year. Maybe uh Boogie cousins gets a one plus one and they try to sign Greg Monroe, but man to just to get negative again, the Pelicans have no flexibility going forward financially. So they don't even have the resources to bring back a Greg Monroe, even if he came back on a team friendly deal. Um, things are things are just tough in new orleans right now and this couldn't have come at a worse time but with that being said like we saw what they could be and and that that promise that glimmer of hope is is something that you can hold on to going forward when demarcus cousins comes back whether it be in january february march is that we know what the team can be and that's a a contending level team
3: Agreed. I think that you've seen enough of that team where, you know, and then the one thing I think that you could have in your back pocket, obviously, we could all agree that Cousins probably is never going to hit the level that we've seen him at. But Anthony Davis is going to continue to get better. And there's plenty of more levels for him to hit. And you could probably argue Drew Holiday probably could hit another level as well, especially having a good year that he's having right now. So there are some pluses if Cousins can come back at some point and get to 80% of what he was.
0: Definitely, and and you couldn't be more right about Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday over the life of his career. Oh, that's my dog. Now we're taking turns. <laughs> uh, uh, Drew holiday over the life of his career has, has been better with one, uh, big on the floor and that big being, you know, either Anthony Davis or DeMarcus cousins, but you, t- you put two on the floor and it takes away some of the spacing, but he figured that out this year. And this year he's sh- shooting better from two point range than he has in his entire career shooting above 57%. Obviously his three point range is only at about 34 right now. I want to say, but there, there is another level with more spacing with more opportunity for for him to be aggressive, which is when he excels. When he's timid and he looks indecisive, that's when he gets the the, the five turnover games. Uh, and his shooting suffers, and he's forcing passes that he doesn't need to force. So you're absolutely right. But the Pelicans are in trouble here because they have no depth. And they're going to have to insert either Dante Cunningham, who's been a disaster this season, or, or Omar Ashik, who some could argue doesn't even belong on an NBA roster anymore yeah. at this point in his career. So the the choices really um, aren't very attractive at this point for who's going to take Boogie's minutes. But, but we're going to get a glimpse, I think, in about an hour and two minutes right now, of who this Pelicans team is going to be going forward when they match up with uh, Los Angeles Clippers. And it's probably another nationally televised game. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. And Boogie has been in good spirits. He did his uh, comedy jam that he's been uh, advertising for about three months. He's been with the team watching film. Uh, He should go into surgery at this point this week, but having him around, having that positive energy might be enough to, to if the Pelicans can come out and have a decisive victory, they've got a, a tough schedule in the next five to six games before they get to the trade deadline. If they can make some waves here, they they might get a couple of guys, a couple of Vince Carters and Greg Monroe to say, you know what, I like what that team's doing. They need minutes. I'm going to give it to them, and maybe it gets me one, one more great contract before I, I retire.
4: I would love to see Greg Monroe uh, in New Orleans. Obviously, like you mentioned with the cap issue, him staying past this season could be, you know, possibly, you know not, not a, you know, not a real possibility. But I would like to see him down there. And like you mentioned, though, you know, it's going to be the real problem with them. Is who can you really bring in? Hopefully a buyout of, you know, Vince Carter or Andrew Bogle can get down there. Um, but like you mentioned with DeMarcus Cousins being around the team, I, I know I saw a tweet about him being around and watching film with the guys. I think that also proves your point that he is going to stick around with the Pelicans. Like, he doesn't want to go anywhere. You know, he he's not pushing away from the team. He's not secluding himself. He's still being there with the guys. It's one thing as well that you can look forward to as a Pelicans fan is that he doesn't, you know, seem to already be out the door. If yeah. I could add... If I could add one more thing before
0: I let you guys in, uh, Nerlens Noel and Scalabissier, some guys who are are recently on the on the block. Nerlens Noel is not being utilized in Dallas. I, I think it's almost they're just holding him out of scorn at this point. Um, if they would be willing to, I mean, they would have to take back salary, but um, uh, it, it would have to be two expirings like a like a Dante Cunningham and a, and a Jameer Nelson or something in exchange for Nerlens Noel and a second round pick. That could be an avenue where a second round pick could get. A real difference maker, but that's that's the only one I really see.
3: Yeah, I think a second-round pick could get it done for Noel. Like you said, obviously, Dallas is not going to keep him. That's been a terrible situation where he's shown a lot of potential when he was on the floor, but behind the scenes, it's not working out. going to give a big shout-out to Preston. Thank you for hopping on. Obviously, best wishes to DeMarcus Cousins, New Orleans Pelicans, and all the injured players we talked about in this pod. Corey, thank you for hopping on, and thanks to all the listeners for listening in. You guys are awesome. Thanks.
2: All right, here we are on Nothing but net on Dash Radio. We are joined by Preston Ellis. Uh, Preston, thanks for joining us. Of course, man. Uh, first time guest. Thrilled to be on here, man. Yeah, definitely glad to have you. Uh, we're, we're pleased to have your multiple shows now on the on the network. Uh, whether it's you know Pelicans, which obviously you've been covering for a while, and then uh, you know your newest venture into the Orlando Magic market. Yeah,
0: thanks so much uh, for you guys listening. You can follow us at the Bird Rice, but the podcast is actually called the Bird Calls and we just reached 70,000 downloads this week in our first season so we're thrilled about that one and the Orlando Magic one is called Do You Believe in Magic and you can follow our site at orlandopinstripepost.com. we've only done about 8 or 9 episodes on that one so that one's new but then if you are interested in the Pelicans or the uh, Orlando Magic be sure to follow those two places
2: oh definitely yeah and and it's must must much, much listen because whether you like the Magic whether you like the Pelicans you guys always have really good information regarding you know recent games uh you know what we're going to talk about here obviously with the player injury you guys are always up to date on that stuff which is which is really cool yeah we we have a lot of great
0: uh inside sources over in new orleans you'll you'll see us talking to coaches uh we'll talk to local reporters we'll talk to some national media guys we've spoken to some guys from the ringer in the past uh, few months the orlando magic one is on the rise and we've been talking to a lot of people in the area um and it's it's a very exciting time to be an orlando Magic fan. Because the trade deadline, they, they're a big time seller, one of the top five sellers in the NBA right now. They're going to have a lot of moving pieces, so it's going to draw a lot of interest in the next two weeks.
2: Yeah, you know, before we touch on the Pelicans, so what are your thoughts on the Magic? Are, are there any players specifically you think or positions maybe they're going to target come trade deadline time? Well, they're
0: not going to target anything specifically, you'd have to think, unless they take on some project for a project like, I don't know, I'm thinking like Dante Exum for Mario Hazonia, that sort of thing, you know, where, where sure, other teams sure. are, are taking a flyer on Hazonia and in exchange the Magic get to take a flyer on an Emmanuel Moutier or somebody that maybe has fallen out of favor, but he's still a young player with potential upside. That, that could be uh, something that happens. But the Magic are really principally trying to offload salary at this point. Bismack Biombo is, is immovable. Uh, he's still got two years and $34 million left. But somebody who's been rumored around the league to, to have interest is Evan Fournier. And I'm not sure that anybody is willing to take on the remaining three years and 51 million, although the third year is a player option. You'd think he would opt in. I, I think it might take something more from the Magic to offload him, something like, a, I don't know, a, a second round pick at this point. I don't think anybody's going to take him straight up unless they gave back more bad salary, just because it is such an inflated contract. But But you might see some guys moving like an alfred payton like a shelvin mac mac is attractive because uh he's only partially guaranteed next year at 1 million so it's it's a quality expiring and he can give you some valuable minutes uh in the meantime and alfred payton if if you get the rights to him he's a restrictive free agent and you have the opportunity to match any deal if you're high on him and you want to give him an opportunity going forward and there are said to be teams out there that are interested in him uh, maybe as a, a six-man type player a guy who can engineer the the second team offense, but uh they're they're not said to be interested in moving Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, and those are the two big ones with the uh, the the two big price tags on their on their faces but it would it would take a an out of the ballpark type number uh because the the magic are not are not ready to just restart the whole rebuilding process obviously they're doing that to some degree, but they do have building pieces in Aaron Gordon and Jonathan Isaac, and if they offloaded one of those two guys, man, it would just cause uh, anarchy in the city of Orlando. And uh, of course, they're they're disappointed to the the broken wrist of Nikola Vucevic because he was one player who was said to be a, a quality piece to move. He's just got one year and twelve and a half million dollars, and he is a valuable valuable piece, especially offensively and a great rebounder. So it's it's they're hopeful that he can come back at some point, but he's come out and said that he doesn't want to be traded. And they're so high on him, you'd think they wouldn't force him out unless he wanted to be. So. It's definitely going to be interesting. There's there's no telling who could move. Jonathan Simmons is another good one that I haven't mentioned. Uh, he's on a great quality contract, two years and thirteen million dollars left, and he's a he's a valuable guy off the bench. If not, he can he can give you some minutes at the three starting, uh, but he's a lot more valuable in, in limited time against bench units. Uh, but it it should be exciting. There's no telling what could happen. It's said to be a, a quiet trade deadline, but uh, we've predicted that before and been very wrong. So we'll we'll see what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, it's so tough to gauge a young team that's kind of embracing the rebuild, but like you said, you already have a couple nice pieces for the future in Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, but as far as the Magic are concerned, I've always felt like, at least the way they're built right now, they have nice pieces, but they don't have a team, if that makes sense. You know, there's 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 individual players that can do some nice things that you really appreciate. You mentioned uh, Mario Hezonja. That's a guy that... It seems like he's very polarizing with a lot of Magic fans when it comes to him. They just, it's almost like they they think of him as just this huge disappointment. And I I can understand that. Although uh, he's one of those guys that when he plays the Wolves as our specific team, he always finds a way to contribute to uh, us losing, of course. But I, I always feel like there's just a number of players on the team that are good players. But when it comes to the team dynamic, you just don't see the success.
0: Yeah, under Scott Skiles, uh you you saw Mario Hazonia as a starting two guard and uh, as a three and uh you got to credit Frank Vogel because he he gave him minutes at the four and a lot of us uh scratched our heads at the time but he's he's been very valuable coming off the bench as a four. Uh he's not shy about shooting the ball. He's gotten better defensively. You know, he's only, I want to say, 22 years old at this point. So he he's still just a, you know, a, a caterpillar on it on his way to becoming a butterfly. Now, what kind of butterfly he's going to look like? Um, that's that's hard to tell at this point. But he is an NBA player. And that's that's saying a lot in terms of what we were saying this offseason. This offseason, nobody was willing to unload a second round pick, which is all it would have taken to get him and the rights to his uh his qualifying year. But the, the magic passed on that. and You'd have to think they're regretting that at this point. Uh, so, so he will be an unrestricted free agent. If somebody wants to take a flyer on him and give up an expiring or um, I don't know, maybe like a, a lightly protected second round pick, they can they can have him. And uh, that's that's not saying nothing because Mario Hazonia has been I don't have his numbers in front of me, but ever since uh, he's he's been in the starting lineup in the past, I want to say uh, six weeks. He's been averaging around 13 points at 47% shooting, something like 39% from three. He's been playing better defense. And he gives you the occasional uh, highlight bonehead play, like when he was uh, four on one and he tried to go between his legs and threw a turnover. So uh, definitely an entertaining guy, but one who is very young and a guy who's getting better. So if a team is willing to be patient, they they might get a, I don't know, a a seventh player in a rotation, maybe an eighth player in a rotation, but somebody who can definitely
2: contribute to to a good team. Yeah, like you said, he's definitely proven to be an NBA player. It's just kind of finding the right fit for him. The the other name you mentioned, and this is a guy we're a big fan of. So so last off season, we did a free agent kind of NCAA-style tournament on our show, and it came down to, for the Wolves, two players, Patty, uh, Patty Mills from the Spurs, and then the other guy is the guy you mentioned, Jonathan Simmons. We've been a big fan of his. Do you think that's a guy they will look to unload them? I mean, it depends on what they're going to get back because they obviously are very sure. high on him too. He,
0: he, he fits the mold of the player. Like, you know, we talk about Jeff Weltman trying to put his stamp on the franchise and John Hammond trying to put his stamp on the franchise. And right now that stamp is just Sheldon Mack on a very uh, cap friendly deal. He's only guaranteed, like I said, 1 million uh, next year. He's got 6 million on the books, but that all falls apart if they don't pick up his option, which you'd have to think at this point that they won't. Other than that, the only guy that they they brought in was Jonathan Simmons, on an incredibly attractive three-year, $20 million contract, and he's just he's got two years of that left, and he's hes a valuable piece. He's an aggressive guy. He's a try-hard guy. He's a team-first guy, and he was playing exceptionally well, having the best season of his career when he was coming off the bench in a six-man role since he's been inserted into the starting lineup. its uh, It's been a bit precarious, and uh, a lot of us in Orlando have been calling to move him back to the bench and put Mario Hazonia In the starting lineup, Frank Vogels had had yet to pull that trigger, but Simmons has been better this month. So we'll see what happens. But he's definitely a valuable guy, definitely on a great deal. And there's definitely a lot of teams that could that could use that type help. And uh, one being the New Orleans Pelicans, my my other squad. So they'll they'll definitely gauge the interest. But I think it would take at least a first round pick to move him um, because they do like having him in Orlando. And I I think he sets the tone for the team they want to
2: be going forward. Yeah. And that's the tough thing about a trade for, in this example, Jonathan Simmons, first round picks are just such a commodity now with how the salary cap is obviously not, it didn't raise to the level that people were expecting. So that's made a big difference. And you talk about like Bismarck Biambo, a a guy the Wolves have, Gorgie Jang. Some of these contracts are, are almost unmovable unless you're willing to give up like a first round pick, but, but then you're giving up a future asset. So like you said, it's going to be tough for them to find a good match if they do try to move Jonathan Simmons. So who knows what will actually happen there. Uh, you mentioned your other team, though, the Pelicans. Uh, kind of give us a rundown of what you think is going to happen going forward. Obviously, Cousins with that ruptured left Achilles. I mean, you look at how productive he was being this season, having statistically probably the best season of his career. What are they going to do going forward to try to you know, make up for that loss of production?
0: Before we talk about the future, I just want to give Demarcus Cousins some credit. Not only was it the best year of his career, he was averaging over 25, 13 rebounds, and over five assists. Any player who has done that ever has won the most valuable player award. And there's only four of those guys who have ever hit those numbers. So he was, he was not just in a career best trajectory, but an all time best level trajectory the last three weeks. Not only was he doing all the things that we've all lauded over the years, you know, the offense, the rebounding, the athleticism uh, by athleticism. I mean, just like driving a, a bigger defender, another center from the three point line, all the way to the cup with his spin moves, combination of finishing that sort of stuff. But, But the stuff that he was criticized for, and this is what I I really want to push forward, the the coach killing, the cancer in the locker room, all these awful titles that he's been giving, the the technical fouls, the guy who doesn't try hard. Well, the past three weeks, he was trying very, very hard. You even had Justin Berry at the Ringer say that uh, not only did he not belong in the starting lineup of the All-Star game, you could argue he didn't belong in the game itself. And when you think about you know, those those clips of him not hustling back on defense, the complaining to the officials, you can definitely give credence to that. The, the problem is, in the past three weeks, that hasn't been the, the player who's played for the New Orleans Pelicans. This guy has bought in defensively, try hard, complaining less, running up and down the court. The Pelicans have won 8 of 9, 9 of 11, Uh, the bulls, when he scored 44, 24 and, and 10 and four steals, the last 733 of that game, the Pelicans were trailing by 18 and he and Anthony Davis and drew holiday just decided they weren't going to let the bulls score anymore. And the same thing with the Rockets, the thing that's, that's, that's so, uh, I don't want to say depressing, devastating about his injury was he did it trying hard. He did it trying to get an offensive rebound, following his own free throw miss. What happens if he makes that free throw and doesn't chase down that board? But he just he just shows you the kind of player that he can be. Now, with that being said, with all of this happening, and now his his potential five year, one hundred seventy six million dollar contract that you'd have to assume was a was a lock with the New Orleans Pelicans. That's potentially out the, out the window at this point. You'd have to think they'd bring him back on a, on a one-year prove it max level contract, maybe a one-plus-one, maybe a, a two-year deal if they're being nice because that would get him to his 10th uh, veteran year and that would get him to his possible super max extension, which we all saw. Um, it's it's basically the Russell Westbrook-Seth Curry five-year $207 million deal. Uh, but now with things that, the way that they are, not only is his future in flux, the franchise is in flux. This is a team that's never won. You've got a 92-year-old owner who's got grandkids fighting over ownership. He's got his third wife, Rita, who does live in New Orleans. But, you know, if if something should happen and Seattle comes in with a $3 billion deal, this was the closest the New Orleans Pelicans have ever been to mattering in New Orleans. And just, just the way that the game crested with us beating the second best team in the world in, in front of guys like Eric Gordon, Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul, Um, And Ryan Anderson, all these former Hornets and former Pelicans on ESPN in the Smoothie King Center on a Friday night coming in, having won seven of eight. The electricity in that arena for it all to fall apart. Now everything changes because Dell Demps and Alvin Gentry were on prove it last year's of their deal. And now even if the Pelicans should, you know, squeak in as an eighth seed, they'd have to win 14 of their last 20. That seems unlikely. Even if they should do that, it's not it's not going to be enough. And now you're in this position where you have to unload salary and offload picks in order to get some kind of talent back. You know, a lot of people are talking about Dwayne Dedman, New Noel, Andrew Bogan as a potential buyout candidate. In order to get these guys, you're going to have to offload salary. You're going to have to give up picks. And in order to do that, I I just don't think they have the leash to do that at this point, uh, being – You know, eight years now, Del Demps has been in New Orleans and he's only had two playoff finishes, one an eight seed where they finished two and four against the Los Angeles Lakers. No, that was a seven seed. Excuse me. And then an eight seed against the Warriors just two years ago, where, of course, they were swept four nothing. Another eight seeded sweep doesn't get it done at this point. And I don't think there's a first-round pick. I don't think there's a trade out there that gets you enough, a building block going forward that's that's worth it to Mickey Loomis to allow Dell Dems to mortgage their future. Like you guys probably all know, the Pelicans don't have a single first-round pick on their roster not named Anthony Davis. They they just haven't, haven't been uh, smart with their picks. They've offloaded them at every opportunity, and now they're stuck, and now it's it's probably going to cost them their jobs. And is it fair? No. The best – the best we can hope for in New Orleans is buyout candidates probably or or some kind of, I don't know, lucky break where somebody like Dallas is fed up with New Orleans Noel and maybe they do us a solid and let us, you know, have them for a second round pick. And we offload something like a Dante Cunningham and Jameer Nelson. We have to give them back expirings. There's no way anybody's going to take Alexis Ajinsa or Omar Ashik for less than a first round pick. And I just don't think Mickey Loomis lets Dell do that, um, be that frivolous with our pick. So the best we can hope for at this point is that somebody sees available playing time on a contending level team that's, you know, like I said, 1-9 of 11, like an Andrew Bogut, and he says, you know what, there's minutes available, I can go in for that playoff team, get myself on national television, and perhaps get myself one more great big deal before I retire, Greg Monroe, another buyout candidate, Vince Carter, another buyout candidate. So that's what the Pelicans
2: have to hope for at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. At this stage, buyout candidates are one of the best options, because like you said, they have a lot of, Money investing in guys that no one are going to take. No one's going to take unless you're throwing out a first round pick, which teams aren't just willing to do. And and that's understandable. That's such a hot commodity in the NBA now. It's really tough to unload those big name contracts. Uh, You mentioned Dante Cunningham. As far as Wolves are concerned, that was a guy we really were hoping would come here. Uh, I'm a big Dante Cunningham fan from when he was with us uh, a few years ago to now. I mean, he's really improved his game, even just in those few years. Uh, He's a player I really appreciate. I think he's very underrated when it comes to, uh, you know, NBA players. I don't know that he always gets the credit. I mean, he's not a big minutes guy. You're not having him in there playing, you know, 30, 35 minutes. But, you know, the 15 or so minutes, 20 minutes you're going to get from him has been really solid. Uh, You're right. I think if you mentioned New Noel, for example, I think a team like the Mavericks maybe take a, a good veteran like Dante Cunningham, something like that. I know. Here are our local insiders that talk about how the Wolves in recent weeks had gone after New Orleans Noel. So he's obviously available. There's a reason why they didn't offer him a, a big-money contract. And if you could get a guy like New Orleans Noel, I just think that would really soften the blow. I mean, he's injured currently, but if you could get him, like you said, for a second-round pick, I mean, that's that would be a nice option, just someone that can at least contribute and help soften that blow of losing Cousins for the season.
0: Well, you guys are welcome to have Dante Cunningham because he's been terrible this season. And obviously in New Orleans, we were very excited to get him back this offseason. We really wanted him. We needed those backup four minutes. We needed somebody who could play the three with the torn hamstring to Solomon Hill. But to be quite honest, he's been absolutely terrible this year. We joke on Twitter every time he's put in with the defensive lineups and crunch time, he immediately allows a layup. He's shooting 31% from three this season. Last year he was at 39%. And he doesn't take very many. We have these famous clips of him having three corner threes in a row and bricking all of them. Uh he doesn't contribute anything rebounding. We we like to call him alligator arms. Uh he scores <laughs> four points a game. But but you you are right. Last season he he gave the energy and the the corner three shooting. He, that's that's a problem. He does nothing be on stand in the corner on offense and wait for a three. And then he usually passes them up. He only takes 1.3 a game in over 20 minutes. Um, so he he had a stat line, I want to say three games ago, of like 28 minutes, zero points, one rebound, zero assists. It's just shocking that he just can't collect anything when he's on the court for that substantial amount of time. But he's been somebody who's really hurt the Pelicans this season because they really need those minutes from him. They need a quality depth guy and the only quality depth guy they have at this point is darius miller and now they're in this position where they have to start either dante cunningham at the four and put ad at the five or they have to start ashik and both of these guys you could argue the way they've been playing with the pelicans this season don't belong on an nba roster so if some team wanted to come in and get dante i'm i'm sure he'd be available at this point especially at that uh i think it's 3.3 million dollar cap level the the pelicans are so close to the dead cap they're just 1.1 million away from it they don't have flexibility to bring, bring in anybody even if they wanted to, but if somebody just took Dante into their space, that would give them $4.4 million of breathing room, and that alone could be very attractive to a bio candidate because they still have $5 million of their mid-level exceptions. so they could offer somebody almost $5 million to play the remaining 34 games of the season, and that, that could potentially be huge to bring in a guy like the
2: guys we previously mentioned. Yeah, you know, you're right, uh, Dante had such a down year, and it still surprises me, but I wonder if there's some sort of a match. You kind of have to find another team that has someone that maybe just needs to change, change the scenery. So yeah. let's look at the Wolves, for example. Uh, you know, I'm a big Dante Cunningham fan in the past, but like you said, he struggled in New Orleans this year. Big difference from last year. You wonder if if you could go with like, obviously this is just spitballing, but something like we'll take Dante, we'll throw you guys Shabazz Muhammad as a as a bench piece. Uh, Shabazz is one of my favorite players, but just he has not been able to do much in Minnesota. Now, granted, he's not getting the minutes, but when he does get minutes, he struggles. Very similar to your issue with uh, Dante Cunningham. So, a player like that, where maybe a couple guys just need to change the scenery, and if if Dante can contribute to a playoff team, maybe maybe he finds a way to find a new level. It's it's tough to say because the Pelicans have been so good. You think he'd find that way to contribute? I mean, historically. Dante's been a guy that's been really good defensively. And like you mentioned last year, he shot well from the three and he just hasn't had it this season. So maybe change the scenery is something they need. And maybe there's, maybe there's a willing partner out there. It's tough to say.
0: Yeah. Uh, I know that, uh, Muhammad has another year. I don't know if that's a player option or a team option. I know the Pelicans are not interested in taking on any more salary at all because they're going to need all of it to bring back Boogie. Isn't that hilarious? What a what a pickle they're in now um, with their future going forward. They've got so much money tied into Solomon Hill, Omar Ashik, Alexis Ajinsa, Anthony Davis, and Drew Holiday's cap number of 25000000 million isn't that bad in itself, but he's also got another $25 million in incentives built into his contract. And unfortunately, you have to account for those maybe dollars. Whenever you reach your salary cap threshold. So even though he's only technically making 25 million, uh, according to the cap sheet, he's actually making 30 million. It's confusing stuff. Uh, we're, we're trying our best to figure it out ourselves, but sure. at least, at least Muhammad would buy another $1.8 million in space, which could be enough to, to, I don't know, make it attractive to somebody like Andrew Bogan. Maybe the difference between 1 million and $3 million is all it takes to get him uh, playing starter level minutes in new orleans so I, I definitely know that del demps is furiously on the phone at this point because he's got two weeks essentially to save his job uh so if if he sleeps a minute
2: between now and then um that's on him what have your thoughts been uh this season on drew holiday obviously last off season you guys didn't really have a choice given your cap situation that was the guy you had to bring in because you could obviously with him you're able to you know sign him going over and there wasn't a lot of options so you this is what you had to do. What have your thoughts been as far as bringing him back this season? I was one of his harshest critics going
0: into this offseason. I didn't understand the contract at all. I was thinking somewhere around five years, $90 million. And the the only real competition for Drew Holiday was the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Indiana Pacers. And as soon as the Wolves signed Jeff Teague, I, I just didn't see a universe in, in which Victor Oladipo, or sorry, Victor Oladipo hadn't been traded uh, at, at, as of that moment. But just based on the cap flexibility that the Pacers had they couldn't have offered him beyond like 4 years and 75 million and I was like is that really enough to pry him away if he if he was pryed away at that point he just didn't want to stay but the Pelicans knew they had to overpay him because the Pelicans just aren't winners it's not a great culture it's not a great basketball town so that they gave him a lot more than they needed to, and we criticized Dell Demps for that because he was absolutely awful in the 25 games he played with DeMarcus Cousins last year. And really, with the first 12 games he played this year with Boogie, it wasn't until Rajon Rondo got into the lineup that he really started shooting better. And now, not only has his defensive level uh written to All-NBA, uh, but offensively, he's just gotten better and better. The first month of the year, he was 45%, then 46% then 53 in December, and now he's 52. Like I said, 57% from two-point range, which is a career high for him. He's fallen off a cliff from three-point range, but he's only shooting, uh, let's say, about four of those a game. So while that number needs to rise, at 21 points per game, at five assists and five rebounds, a lockdown defender defensively, if he's playing in the east right now he's potentially an all-star it's between him and oladipo but uh he's just bounced back in such a monumental way and nobody could be more excited about it than than the pelicans fans because we were terrified this five-year 150 million dollar incentive contract was just the end of the franchise i mean at that point you can't get out of that contract until 2022 it's immovable nobody's going to take up you know, a point guard slash combo guard who gives you 15 points a game for $30 million a year. So we thought we were stuck to watch him bounce back and not only bounce back, but have a career year. Man, it's just been something to behold. And in in crunch time, uh, he's just been automatic the past three weeks. Part of this nine games out of 11 streak, you have to give a large portion of it to him because – when when you talk about the clutch scores, Demarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, no, it's been Drew Holiday. It's been Drew Holiday who's gotten them the buckets and the mid range game and the floater that they needed, taking these bigs off the dribble. He has been so crucial to the Pelicans' success, and and nobody's more surprised about it than I am.
2: Yeah, you mentioned you know the recent run of success. If you look at some of his games: thirty one points, twenty seven points, twenty five points, and on top of that, you're talking you know seven dime eight assists, you know, he's getting, you know, two, three, four steals a game. I mean, you're getting everything you'd want from a guy that you really had to overpay at that time. So uh, definitely you're starting to see the Drew holiday that, you know, we used to get a few years ago where you're thinking this is one of the top point guards in the league, you know, prior to some of these injuries he's had. It's nice for the Pelicans to finally see that production match the kind of money he's being paid. Um, Let me move in here to uh, next week's matchup. Uh, obviously, uh, next Saturday, you guys are coming here to play the wolves. Uh, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Obviously being down cousins, that's going to make it tough, but who do you think needs to step up uh, for you guys to get a win there? I
0: mean, on any given night, the Pelicans can beat anybody because they've got Anthony Davis. Um, and when Anthony Davis goes toe to toe with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he, he usually uh, puts the spotlight on himself and, and he takes the young man to task. And the two guys love, they relish playing against each other. And it's exciting to watch. With that being said, the Wolves have had the Pels number this year and the Pelicans haven't been able to stop them. No matter how well they're playing, they always manage to to let it go at the end. Um, but this is an important time for the Pelicans. We're really going to learn so much about these Pelicans today against the Clippers. We're going to see how much fight is left in them, what that bench, that depth can can possibly contribute. By the time we get to the Wolves next week, we'll 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 have a lot more questions answered. But you know, you you love seeing uh Drew Holiday matched up with Jimmy Butler, with Jeff Teague. That's that's always something that's gonna be exciting. Like I said, Anthony Davis against Carl Anthony Towns. They're probably gonna put a second body on him, whether it's Gorgie Dang or Bielitsa or some big guy just to just to make Anthony Davis get rid of the ball. And then you've got to rely on shooters. Darius Miller and Etuan Moore have been two of the best 10 shooters in the NBA this season. Uh, Darius Miller has been a very pleasant surprise. He's been automatic from three. Not only that, he has this new game where he can put the ball on the floor and take a deep mid-range jumper. And it's, it's, it's sexy. It's beautiful. It goes in every time. Whenever he takes that shot, I'm just sure it's going to go in uh he's just become a very dynamic s- scorer and his game is expanding so those are two guys you're going to have to hope you're going to have to hope Jameer Nelson can he's been he's been in and out lately this season he was hot the first two weeks with the pelicans and um he's been more liability than anything else not just defensively but he's also fallen off in shooting and after that there's just there's just not a lot to point to ian clark comes in and out of the lineup uh he gets dnp's and then all of a sudden he's giving you crunch time minutes a week later Hopefully we'll get Tony Allen back uh, before the Wolves game. He's been out for about eight weeks. He had a setback, but hopefully we'll have him back by then. We definitely need his energy and we definitely need his minutes. And Solomon Hill is said to come back in February. um, If there's any chance of the Pelicans salvaging their season, they're definitely going to need him and they're going to need him to play some four and he's going to have some interesting matchups. He's a guy That could really frustrate somebody like an Andrew Wiggins because right now the Pelicans don't have a guy to slow down Andrew Wiggins. You saw what he did to Etwan Moore. I think they had to pull Etwan Moore four minutes in and put him back to his natural position at the two, and then they put Dante Cunningham on Andrew Wiggins, and that's another minus for the Pelicans offensively. Plus, uh, Dante Cunningham is is prone to uh, to mental lapses, uh, lack of awareness on the defensive side of the floor, so. It's, it's going to be tough, but really you're just going to have to hope for an explosive game from Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and and just the bench doing just enough uh, to frustrate the Wolves. We've been playing a lot better defensively. Uh, we've been top 10 in the past three weeks. So if we can limit the Wolves scoring and get just enough scoring from our guys like Darius Millers um, and the Etwan Moores in addition to the Drew Holiday and the Anthony Davis, there might be a chance. But um, like I said, we're we're really going to find out who these Pelicans are Today against the Clippers, if they come out with fight and they win this game, then then the Timberwolves need to to take watch. But I think what we're all afraid of is that they just don't have enough able bodies to play basketball. And if they lose this one, the Clippers then you've got the Kings on Tuesday, if they manage to lose that one, then you've got the Thunder after the Wolves. You've got the Jazz, the Pacers, the, the Pelicans could find themselves out of this playoff
2: loop very quickly. And you're right. It doesn't take much in the West. There's so many good teams. Whether it's, you know, these rebuilding teams that just find ways to win, like the Kings, that put, you know, young guys that are going to put up a really big fight. But you talked about the Clippers, you know, we just played them recently. And every single night, you get 100% from Blake Griffin. It's always a tough matchup. You mentioned the Thunder. You know, the Thunder just had uh, Robertson get that injury. So, you know, that might be a, a game where you can you can take one because they've been pretty inconsistent. But you're right, a lot of it's going to, you know, be shown this week what you guys are going to have going forward you'll obviously kind of get a feel for what the rotations are going to be and i think from a coaching aspect that's always tough when you lose arguably your best player you got to find ways to match that production whether it's with you know two three guys whether it's with you know four guys depending on you know who steps up obviously it's going to be tough but you're right i think we'll have a better idea of where you guys are at come next saturday's game the goofy thing about next saturday's game is obviously it's the super bowl weekend it's going to be an interesting mishmash of of crowd at the Wolves game. Uh, My understanding is it's pretty much already a sellout. I don't know how many of those people are Wolves fans, though. You might have a lot of -of out-of-market guys that just want to go see the game prior to the Super Bowl. So you're definitely going to get an interesting fan base for next Saturday's game. But in in terms of just what the Wolves have to offer versus what the Pelicans have, like you said, Anthony Davis always finds a way to bring it. And and one of the things that... Whether it's Cousins, whether it's Davis, whenever we play really talented big men, the Carl Towns matchup always seems to come to the forefront because he has a tendency to sometimes get upset or he gets rattled real easily. And if you can rattle Towns with Anthony Davis, maybe get him in foul trouble, which, you know, in past games against the Pelicans, that's been an issue. That's I think that's one of the ways you guys could maybe find a way to squeak something out. But like you said, this week's gonna kind of tell us everything we need to know.
0: Yeah. And one guy I did forget to mention, DeAndre Liggins is currently on the, on the back end of a 10 day contract. You'd have to think he gets a second one. He's definitely somebody that's going to get a a heavy workload on Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. They're going to try everything they can to slow those guys down because they did take such advantage of the Pelicans last time. And the Pelicans just can't afford to get down uh, double digits early because right now all they have is, is, is motivation and effort. Uh, They don't have talent. They don't have depth they they have to stay in it they have to keep motivated they have to keep hungry because if if somebody like the wolves and and that's a nice advantage and I'm glad that I know that that it's going to be a mixed crowd because you know with with the current streak the wolves have been on I think they were like 12 and 3 from mid December to early January at one point with with that winning percentage if 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 their crowd is behind them and they get up double digits early that that might be all it takes to to bury this pelicans team so Definitely going to need to keep it tight. Definitely going to need DeAndre Liggins to play out of his body and and slow down those two uh critical scores for the Wolves. And who knows? Um, obviously the the bets are are against the Pelicans on every game going forward, minus maybe the Sacramento Kings. But one thing you can guarantee on is that Anthony Davis will play well. Drew Holiday will play well. And in the next two weeks, these guys are gonna try, but uh the the odds are long against them.
2: I mean, as a Wolves fan, you know, uh, I, I don't look for other teams' success, but you never hope for injuries. So, you know, we wish DeMarcus Cousins a speedy recovery because if you're going to play teams, you always want to play them at their best just to kind of see where you're at. So, again, we wish you for a speedy recovery. Uh, thanks again, Preston, for joining us here. Uh, this is really appreciated. It was nice to kind of look at the Pelicans going forward, kind of take a glance at the game coming up, and we appreciate you taking uh, time out of your day.
0: No, I appreciate it. Everybody can follow us at the Bird Rights and at Orlando Pinstripe Post. Uh, I hope I wasn't too much of a downer. Like I said, things things are rough in New Orleans right now. Every it, it was one of those scenarios where after the game, nobody wanted to talk to each other. Even the next morning, uh, most of the the major websites in New Orleans didn't post anything. And if they did post anything, it was just "Hey, we wish the best for Demarcus Cousins." We we couldn't get a, a recap out of most of the guys in our area. It's just it's it's a tough time to be a pelicans fan and man if they can get a win against the clippers today then then the wolves have a, a lot to be serious a lot to be concerned about because uh it, it could be one of the better underdog stories going forward uh, bill simmons calls it the ewing theory uh if if the pelicans can manage to to come to life and get a up candidate like an andrew bogut look out this this could become a, a national media type spotlight story but uh like i said the odds are long against that but but thank you so much rob it's been a blast and i'm willing to come on here anytime you guys want
2: we appreciate it thanks again you got it you
0: have been listening to the bird calls thank you for listening if you like what you're hearing do us one more favor go to itunes subscribe and rate our podcast today
2: The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.